live your life, boy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Conspiracy Farm, where we don't start the conspiracies, we just add the water. And now your host of the most state-of-the-art, most informed podcast on the interweb, I present to you Pat Militage and Jeffrey Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for Yeah, rear naked choke of Cocker Spaniel, bro. You know what I'm saying? Change the neighborhood up. Conspiracy Farm. Go. Check it out. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jeffrey Wilson. Jeffrey, what's going on down in St. Louis today? I'm good, man. I am good. Enjoying this nice chilly fall afternoon. Daughter just got home from school. Life is good, man. Life is good. Good, good. Well, we're excited to talk to our next guest who is offering and has spent many years in solution-based mindset. That's what we want to always focus on is not the problem, but the solution. So our next guest, Eric Stofers, who is the founder of and CEO, I should say, of BioAccelerator, and also the founder of Healthier World Foundation, the Healthier World Foundation. And Eric, we want to thank you for coming on the show today. We're excited to talk to you about BioAccelerator because we know you've been doing amazing things for athletes, for combat veterans, uh, for a myriad of, of people, you know, from different walks of life uh, in your program. Yeah, gentlemen, thanks for having me. And I'll just a, a brief correction, but only because it's pertinent uh, when you're in a solution mindset, which I very much am. Our foundation is Solutions for a Healthier World Foundation. So we are okay. solution people. Thank you for that. Thank you for that clarification. <laughs> and we can get to We'll definitely dissect that as well. And so I'm somewhat familiar, you know, with BioAccelerator and, and some of the process because I went through before the whole lockdown thing happened and everything, you know, they – you folks had me scheduled to go down to Columbia to partake in that, and I was very excited about it. But, of course, the lockdowns happened, and I didn't renew my passport because God knows when they were going to unlock you know, the lockdown, so to speak. And so I uh, was not able to make it down there. But I've talked to a lot of people that have, and so a lot of good things are happening. Can you kind of explain you know, how the genesis came about you know, of, of creating this, this entire venture? Yeah, so it's somewhat of an interesting story in the sense that I do not have a medical background. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist, but I am running a highly advanced scientific company and a health company. So the reason that 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 transpired was because my mind was in a solution based mindset. Um, Basically, what was what was happening in my life, I was the CEO of a real estate investment trust. I was a real estate guy and my girlfriend at the time. Uh, was in the pharmaceutical industry, and she was coming home telling me these stories about how the pharmaceutical industry was controlling what her doctors were able to prescribe to, to the patients. And it, it really just became somewhat disgusting, almost of a joke, um, you know, around the dinner table at night. And so, you know, that really started my, my mindset, um, you know, turning towards why, you know, as an entrepreneur, what could I do? to help change the American medical system. And then it was just really luck in the sense that I was selling a, a large property. It was 300 hectares on beachfront property in, in Cabo San Lucas. And I, I was helping a friend sell this property and we were not getting good offers from the typical big hotel conglomerates like Starwood. Uh, so we were thinking outside of the box. We, uh, I'm from Arizona. I lived in Arizona at the time. And, you know, being a border state, there was this hot button term that kept coming up in the news is medical tourism. So I just said, hey, let's think outside of the box. Let's market to some medical tourism providers. Why don't we go to plastic surgeons and 
um, ophthalmologists and dentists and, and see if they're interested in this property. And none of that worked. Um, you know, it was just too big of a property. didn't work out. But who did come across our, our plate while we were uh, doing that marketing is a group of stem cell scientists. And they really wanted to get their technology out of the laboratory and into the hands of patients. And that's kind of when I said, boy, what, you know, I've heard about this stem cell therapy on the news. What is that? Let, let's take a deeper dive on that. And, you know, over the span of, you know, 24 months or so after that, um, I, I became enamored in the science. I, I was a, a self-study. And then with this other group, I, I really got to dig deep and see how many people were legitimately being helped right now. And, and then why was it not available in the United States? And as an entrepreneur, that was a huge challenge to tackle. And so I did it. I founded BioAccelerator. So before we get into the conversation, if you don't mind, kind of define some of the terminology. What is a stem cell for the layman or woman? Yeah, good, good that we, we back up into that. So stem cell in and of itself is a cell in your body, and we all have them, but they're known as the building blocks of life because it is the only cell that is able to divide and continuously divide throughout your life and replicate itself and take on many functions. So it can essentially divide to turn into tissue or bone or hair follicle, um, a whole myriad of, of different types of cells. Um, but these are these are also cells that, as we all do, we all age and these cells also age. And so they slow down in their replication. And so what our science has been able to achieve is a multiplication, a purification and multiplication of those stem cells with some pretty highly advanced scientific work, uh, but it, it's able to now cure or not cure, but it, in some cases, um, you know, really extend the life of people in chronic pain or uh, reduce the symptoms of autoimmune disease, tackle neurological conditions. And then, of course, we treat a lot of professional athletes for orthopedic conditions also. And I, I think, go ahead, Jeff. I can. No, tell I was you just one. curious you not to, talk, to go down maybe. too. Not, no, I'm just saying. I just was got a question because I remember hearing this term, and I don't. I know you're not a doctor or a scientist, but do telomeres play a role in any of this? As far as when you start talking about the lifespan of a cell, I've always heard like telomeres. The longer the telomeres, the longer this lifespan of a cell is. I don't. I'm, I might be wrong on that. Is does telomeres play a role in any of this? Well, yes, they do, and we sure hope that stem cell and the theory in the scientific community is that stem cell is a component, not the full story, but a component of continuously keeping the telomeres at a longer length. I'm not saying that they extend the telomere, but what, what we think they do, and it's still too, too early on to really know, there's not enough research, but what we think they do is they slow the shortening of the telomere, not necessarily extend. So once that telomere shortens and there's no more of it, the cell is dead, and once all of them die, you're dead. Um, so, yeah, stem cells play a part, an, an important part. And this, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, this is hypothetical, and, and certainly I don't have a scientific background. I've spent a lot of years researching organics and what it does for the body, the cells, you know, all the different components of that. But, you know, if, if we're putting stem cells into the body, of course, you know, the 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 newness of the replication of those cells then – is going to have, I guess, newer DNA, so to speak, thus would have newer telomeres because telomeres are on the, on the end of the DNA, right? Yeah, but it, the stem cells work a little bit differently than that. Okay. So even though we are, we are introducing in uh, most cases hundreds 
of millions of new, fresh, potent, pure stem cells. And we use the uh, stem cells that are derived from the, the Wharton jelly piece of the umbilical cord. So to start, that is not the controversial stuff that you heard in the news back in the 2000s. This right. is not embryonic stem cells. This is a healthy baby and a healthy mother going home and living healthy lives together um, when typically that umbilical cord would be just thrown away, medical waste. Now the, this mother and this family are able to donate that umbilical cord to scientific companies like ours and now help hundreds, if not thousands of people in the process. So it's it's non-controversial, but we take that umbilical cord and we take the most healthy, pure and potent stem cells. We replicate them to hundreds of millions. When we put those in somebody's body, even if it's just through a, an easy IV or an orthopedic issue, whatever it might be, uh, when we put them in your body, really what they're doing is they are signaling the rest of your body, which is still the miracle that your your body, your stem cells are the miracle uh, we're just helping accelerate that. So they're signaling all of your cells to get active again and to start doing what they were supposed to be doing and they failed at before. And so how, how, how are these, you know, obviously they're from umbilical cords, so they're very fresh, very new, uh, for the growing fetus, so to speak, and, and, and the development of, of a fetus. But there's some, I think there's laws that restrict certain umbilical cord usage, I guess, in the United States. Is that not true? That is true. Yeah, it's unfortunate that the FDA is, you know, is very, very far behind in their regulation, meaning they just haven't been able to catch up with how fast the science has progressed. It'll be legal at some point, but they're just not there yet. Yeah. So, I mean, in America, they'll 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 pull your blood and then spin it, so to speak, and then pull your own stem cells out and then inject those back into you, maybe in an, uh, a location of an injury. Would that be correct? Yeah, so that's the adipose tissue-derived uh, stem cells, so that'd be pulling fat from your belly or wherever. That's adipose tissue. There's a secondary pull that they do also, which is a bone marrow extraction. And so typically that's, you know, a big, huge, long needle, and they puncture your iliac crest, and it's very painful. And now they're sucking out a bunch of bone marrow, so you have a deficiency of bone marrow now in your hip. Um, and so, you know, that in and of itself has – a lot of complications, but you're also taking out these stem cells that are your age or my age, you know. So in my case, they're right. 46 year old stem cells that, you know, if I if they were able to keep up with the replication in the the uh, immune modulation that I might need with an autoimmune disease or whatever I, I'm suffering from, well then I wouldn't have needed the the transplant to begin with. Um, so that the the point is is that they're just it's a antiquated, really kind of lower level science in our opinion. Yeah, I mean, in America, just for instance, in terms of treating cancer, for the most part, from the way I've understood it, is, you know, treating cancer in America, if you don't do it with, if you, it, it's, you're regulated, I guess, that it has to be chemo, radiation, or surgery to be able to do that. So you, I'm guessing, I'm just throwing this out there, that you've seen people who maybe have survived the cancer, but they're so beat up from the chemo and the radiation that then they need, you know, the stem cell therapy. Pat, imagine, uh, imagine that. Imagine that. I mean, this is the truth in the in the U.S. But we're our our doctors have to, they have to prescribe you chemo and radiation. Big insurance and big pharma make them prescribe that first, even though they may know for a fact that there are other alternatives that could give this individual patient uh, a, a fighting chance before 
you know, before taking on these these terrible, terrible, terrible chemicals that have these, you know, irreparable, um, you know, uh, side effects. So that's just the way our medical system works. And it's a shame. Yeah. So imagine that. Yeah. So, you know, I've obviously we've all been associated with people and loved ones who've gone through cancer treatment. Some have lived, some have not, you know, families, loved ones, uh, friends, uh, you know, just we've all been touched by it numerous times. So it's it's been tragic to watch the way the American medical, you know, AMA and, and the way that they've approached all of this and, and done done this, especially with. All the years of knowledge, I guess, and research that I've done over, you know, there's there's so many products out there, uh, so many foods, so many ways of, of approaching things to to becoming healthy in numerous other ways. But what kind of what kind of results, I guess, is the best question, the best way to pose it? Have you seen from people who've been beat up from the chemo and the radiation? What what did they come in? You know, what were their what was their physical situation when they came in, and you know, what were they like a month after they left? Well, let me let me clarify a little bit because we're we're going down the rabbit hole of of um, of cancer, and, and cancer is a little bit different in the sense that there are some type of advanced therapies that are are showing remarkable results for cancer. CAR T sure. CAR T technology is incredible. Um, but to clarify, our, our company does not treat cancer patients. Um, we 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 just we don't have the exact technology. Um, in some cases, it depends on what type of cancer, and there's hundreds of types of cancer. So sure. stem cells do have anti, well, mesenchymal stem cells have anti-tumor uh, characteristics. So I'm not saying that they, they can't be good with certain types of, of cancer, but as, as in a generalization, bioaccelerator does not treat cancer. But I, I can give you, I can answer you <laughs> in the sense that we do have patients that are cancer survivors, and a lot of their what they've survived and a lot of the symptoms that they've survived are actually caused by the chemo sure. and by the radiation. That's kind of what um, I was getting at. Yeah. Yeah. And we have the same thing with people that uh, have antibiotics that they have taken, that they have these now terrible, terrible symptoms, lifelong symptoms until they found stem cell because of uh, stripping all their, their digestive flora of good bacteria because of antibiotics. Um, which ends, so which ends up being called C. diff for some people that might be familiar, right? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you know, we see we we treat patients with very rare conditions like this all the time. And so I guess do the stem cells basically help reduce inflammation within the body? Yeah, that's the first thing they do. So they immediately they reduce inflammation, they help modulate your immune system so they could upregulate or downregulate depending on what your body is going through. Um but so it reduces inflammation um, it stimulates repair and then it modulates your immune system. Okay. Jeff, go ahead, buddy. What are, what are some of the legal issues? I remember years ago, I think it was Peyton Manning or somebody like went over to Germany or somewhere to get a bunch of shots in their neck. What is the legal issue? Are there certain applications that they're able to do here? Just the loads different, I guess. Like I'm down in Colombia or Venezuela or wherever South America, you're able to use, I'm just throwing these like 4 million units where in the United States you can only use 300,000. Like, what's the legal differentiation and why? Why is it? Is it the kind of the resistance from your medical, the American Medical Association, kind of like that? Yeah, I mean, there's that to the last part of that question. Your your guess is as good as mine. But I will tell you that, you know, pharmaceutical companies and big insurance, they 
dictate how doctors are allowed to prescribe alternative therapies. Um, but, so, you know, getting back into the root of your question, um, really what our, 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 our cells do and, and what makes them more potent than what you would find in the United States is we're able to do an expansion process. So we culture expand these cells. We, we take the mesenchymal stem cells, which are the magic stem cells. They're the ones that are um, more pure, more potent and, and safe. So safe and effective. Um, and we discard all of the rest. So as Pat was talking about earlier, you know, you have those two t- different types of extraction where you take the adipose tissue or the bone marrow, and then you just repurpose it. Well, you're not just taking mesenchymal stem cells. You're also taking um, a, a whole host of other type of cells that really aren't, they're not purposefully doing the work that you're, you, you need them to do. So we discard all of those cells and we focus just on the MSCs, the mesenchymal stem cells. And, and then we multiply those. So we multiply those to be hundreds of millions of times more potent. And that's really the differentiator. In the United States, um, the Food and Drug Administration, um, and by the way, they're, you know, they're, the FDA is a great organization. They have great leadership. Um, they're here to protect the American public and they, they've done a great job. Where they lack, as I was saying before, is they, they lack in their, their ability through bureaucracy to keep up with how quickly technology is advancing. Mm. They're, they're going off of an old regulation. It's part 1271 in the Health and Human Services Code that says you can do minor manipulation to a cellular-based product. Well, the truth is is that we, we, we do more than what may be defined as minor, and we don't even know what that is because they haven't defined it. So it's really more of a gray area than it is a legal or illegal. Mm. Well, a lot of times we find that, you know, anything that involves government is cumbersome, cumbersome and slow as molasses, and that's just the way it is. It's, uh, it, it is the three stooges of, of operations, and you know, it is. It, it's just it's unfortunate, but that's a big reason why they're not keeping up with you guys. But even if they did want to change it, because, look, the truth is, Pat, we just went through a major pandemic, a global pandemic, and we had Operation Warp Speed. Right. And so we know with the right motivation and the right politics and the right lobbying, like maybe a pharmaceutical company wanting to lobby for the speed to market, uh, that we would be able to do it because we've just seen it being done. But it's the opposite for us. We have people fighting against the speed to market in our case. Without being too conspiratorial about it, do you feel a lot of that resistance? Because it seems to me like the allopathic kind of model is more about treat and keep on the pharmaceutical dole than actually cure it sounds like something like what you're doing it really is is something more that sidesteps the pharmaceutical industry to a large extent do you think some of that is it seems like an obvious answer but do you feel that it's kind of deliberate the resistance that you get because it's more in the realm of curing than treating and keeping people on the pharmaceutical revolving door yeah, look, we, we get to, we, we're a healthcare company, not a sick care company. We do 100% focus on getting to the systemic cause and the root of the problem, not just masking the symptoms and continuing to prescribe. Our, our best patient scenario would be coming in for one treatment and never having to see that patient again. That is our hope. Um, now, that's not always the case. You know, this is still a, an evolving science. And, and sometimes, you know, people's conditions are more severe than others. So we do have people that have to come back on an annual basis or every you know, three or five years. Um, but, you know, the, the, to your point, uh, 
we 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 definitely are not having the same goals um that big pharma has yeah right yeah we're, makes we're different sense. makes sense your mic's off pat apologies apologies i was i was having a conversation with a friend who's a combat veteran and he he had some pretty serious health issues and then he basically told me what those issues were, and I said, so what did your doctor do? And, well, he prescribed me these painkillers. He prescribed me this and this. And I said, awesome. I said, um, did he give you a four-point plan, a six-point plan, a ten-point plan of how you were going to eventually be able to get off of those medications? And, you know, he looked at me, and he goes, well, you know, when you're an effing doctor, I'll go ahead and listen to you. And I said, <laughs> look, dude, I, you know, I consider you a friend. I care about you. You know, I'm not getting any money from you. I don't look to make a bunch of money off you. But I, I'm just saying, next time you go see him, ask him, you know, how are you going to help me get off of these drugs? That's that's, that's all you need to ask him. And then watch him bumble around, you know, and he's going to say things like, eat better. And then when you ask him, what should I be eating specifically, or what supplement should I be taking to assist my body to get to where I don't need these these products, He's not going to know what to say to you. That's not what they're trained in, and that's just the way it is. So we've got to go to people, you know, with expertise in different areas in terms of treatments like what you're talking about and what you guys are doing to be able to find solutions to these health issues. Yeah, it's the craziest thing. Like, look, I, I my whole company is full of medical doctors and specialists in, you know, MDs with a specialty or PhDs that are in the laboratory. So this is no knock against doctors, but it, it is crazy to me that, um, you know, that our American medical system is dictated again by big pharma and insurance. Doctors can't even really prescribe what they want in a lot of cases. Um, but e even if they, even if they could, or, or they, they wanted to, uh, a lot of times doctors, you know, they, they make opinions also on things that are not their specialty and stem cell of course is one of them so you know stem cell in and of itself is is not medicine it's science but it's the, the science first and then it's the application of the medicine mm. so when you have medical doctors that were not taught stem cell therapy in in med school 30 years ago because there's no such thing uh making an opinion on the science and, and and not connecting the two dots or you know making a negative opinion and, and shunning people away from it when they really just don't know it really it hurts my heart because they're they're not giving some patients an option to get better. Well, and imagine, you know, there's we know that there's a lot of doctors out there who, of course, became doctors because they wanted to help people. And then they get themselves caught up in this system and there's no way out of it. But at the same time, you know, they've got a couple of Mercedes Benzes in the garage, a very nice house, you know, a lot of a lot of money in the bank and, and they're doing OK. And that's an awful, awful tough thing, a tough thing to walk away from, even when you sit there and go, you have an epiphany as a, as a medical doctor or a healthcare professional and go, okay, I'm not doing the right thing. I'm not really helping people ultimately. I'm not helping people get better. Um, but I don't know. I couldn't sleep at night very well knowing that I was doing that, but hey, to each his own, I guess. I think sometimes it, look, I go golfing with an orthopedic surgeon here in Phoenix where I live part time. And, and, uh, you know, he's, he's a, a great, very well renowned uh, orthopedic surgeon. And, and, uh, he's, he's singularly focused on continuing to be better at his craft. 
And like I was saying before, you know, he's, he's an older guy. He's in his 60s. And, and so he didn't have stem cell science really uh, in med school. And it, it, it's not a specialty. And so he doesn't know a lot about it. Um, but the truth is, is that he he thinks, as most of the great doctors here in the United States think, that it is the future of medicine. But it, it, it's too far, it's too new, and it's and, and they don't know enough about it. And that's just not true. There is no debate in the scientific community that stem cells are both safe and effective for many, many, many conditions. Not everything, but many conditions. So it's a lack of education even in the medical system. I love the anchor word hijacking, by the way, safe and effective. <laughs> <laughs> you've, got to, you've got to use their own language, sustainable, whatever. You have to use their language on on all of these things to help people understand it, right? Yeah, but I mean, the truth is, is we have to we we are conducting clinical trials. We write case reports. We have eight eight epidemiologists on our on our staff that are just writing clinical trials and case reports and posters for for congresses and uh, and, and so this is what we have to prove, and we have proven it. But there's many, many other companies globally that have also proven that it's both safe and effective. So it's it's a true statement. Jeff, but I'm a business guy. I say it I say it differently than the doctors most of the time. So they taught me. A lot. <laughs> I mean, right, with the right. <clears throat> with the resistance from basically the medical community, how has that translated to potential patients who, like Pat was saying, we're so deferential to certain authority figures such as our medical professionals, and there's no knock against them. But it's probably tough to convince a normal person to embrace this kind of technology and these kind of applications of stem cells when it's not really even fully embraced by the medical community. You know, I'll tell you, that's a really insightful question. And and what I have seen transpire since COVID is something remarkable. And it's, it's exactly what you're hinting at is that, you know, people are having to go against what traditional medicine here in the United States is telling them. And their mindset has switched a little bit where they're saying, you know what, I I actually might not be able to listen to the guy on TV or, or to my physician that's telling me to do this because I don't necessarily think that's fully informed. So I'm going to go out and inform myself. And, and, and Jeffrey and Pat, these are our patients. These are the patients that are getting healed. They're they're reducing chronic inflammation that we may be alleviating, alleviating uh, chronic pain. We, we might be. Uh, stay, you know, prolonging a hip surgery or a, a knee surgery. Um, we might be helping a, an autoimmune disease or a neurological condition like, uh, you know, our, our, both of our friends, Matt Hughes. Um, but that's the point is that people are in the mindset now to actually do some of their own information. And that's who, what we need. We need people to be their own advocates and not just take their first recommendation and get a second opinion that might be their own opinion. Yeah, that's right. So the one thing that I want to know is when did stem cell therapy actually start? You know, what was the rough year, you know, when, when all of this started? Who are the grandfathers, the scientists that, you know, were, were the ones discovering this? So the stem cell science in general really kind of started taking shape with bone marrow transplants. Okay. Now, at that time, we didn't necessarily know it was the stem cells in the bone marrow that was helping these blood related cancers like, um, like leukemia and, and, and the, you know, the, the reason that they were doing these bone marrow transplants. Um, but really at the rudimentary level, that was a stem cell transplant. We just didn't know it at the time. Fast forward to the late nineties, there was a doctor, uh, Arnold Kaplan out of Wake Forest, uh, University here in the States. He found 
what we call the MSC. Now, that used to stand for mesenchymal stem cell. Some people call it mesenchymal. Depends on what part of the world you're in, but it's the mesenchymal stem cell. Um, now, Dr. Kaplan is really making a fight with companies like ours to change it to uh, medical <laughs> signaling cell, not mesenchymal cell, because really this, the cells are signaling the rest of your body to either produce extracellular vesicles like exosomes or growth factors like cytokines or whatever your body needs in that microenvironment. Um, that's what the stem cells are signaling. Um, and and um, Dr. Kaplan is still very active, so I would call him one of the godfathers, and we're happy to not just know him, but we've we uh, pretty early on one of the one one of his awards for being a, a top-notch stem cell company doing the right thing. Someone like a Matt Hughes, we've obviously seen what he's gone through, not only from from the accident, but having many of, of visits to you guys down there without getting into, I mean, you know, HIPAA stuff or what kind of improvements have you seen? Or I don't know if you treated him specifically, but have you seen as as far as day one till now? And could that have occurred without stem cell therapy? Well, so Matt is one of our patients, and I will only say what he has said publicly on either his Instagram or his sure. social media or or done as a testimonial for us. Uh, <clears throat> I was I was uh, with Matt. I went out and uh, met him in, in his hometown uh, before he treated with us um, because I, I've been a, a UFC fan my whole life. And, um, you know, it was it was an interesting opportunity. He invited us out. He wanted to show us the actual train tracks and, and, you know, some of the, some of his inner workings of, of how, how he lived at that time. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to report that ever after several therapies, he has seen some improvement both cognitively and also uh, with motor function. Um, and this is something he shows on his social media where, you know, before he had a, a pretty pronounced um, limp and, you know, some, some problems with his, his arm and um, he would, have to really hold on to a staircase to either go up or down, but specifically down, it was really, really hard for him. Um, and so there was, uh, after I, th I think his second treatment, maybe his third treatment, uh, he did a video where he posted it and he was trucking on down the stairs and, you know, looking like, you know, he, he, he didn't get hit by a train in his past. Um, and he's, he's probably never going to be a hundred percent improved, but he's out there working out again. Um, you can tell that his motor, his motor function is better. His cognitive, uh, function is, is improved. So yeah, we've seen some good results. His him. speech this as well. He's post. doing, he's doing podcasts and interviews now. I mean, he's, yeah, exactly. But he's the most severe that you can imagine him, <laughs> him along with spinal cord injury patients are the, you know, the worst. Yeah. And I remember that. I remember the day that happened. I got a text message and I, I, you know, you, when you spend, you know, over a decade with somebody and become that close with, with somebody, you know, we trained obviously together for a lot of years and like a brother to me. So instantly uh, it's not true. That can't be true. And I'm texting his, texting his phone going, Matt, what's going on? You're okay. Right. You know, things like that. And then you see the pictures and, you know, they're not allowing it. The family's not allowing anybody to go down there and, and talk to him, try, you know, anything like that. And, you see how bad a shape he's in, and then you hear the news, and you're you're starting to get word back that yeah, the doctors are saying there's no way he's going to make it. This is this is basically a lost cause, and I'm going for anybody generally, it probably is, but for Matt, you know, knowing Matt and how strong he he is and and was and and uh, how stubborn he is, 
you know, I was thinking if anybody's got a chance to come back, it's him. And I remember also fast forwarding, you know, him going down, getting the treatments. And then, yes, I remember those videos specifically of him going down the stairs. And that's, that's a huge, a huge moment for a guy who, you know, arguably the greatest welterweight ever in the world. And, and I having had to wrestle with that psychopath, you know, for over a decade, knowing how unbelievably powerful a human being can be, you know, at that size, you know, that, uh, there was a triumphant moment for him much bigger than winning a world title. So that's, that's changing lives. Yeah. You, you might appreciate this. Well, you, you probably will since you know him better than I do, but you know, I got to know him over the several trips that he came to Columbia. And like I said, I visited him in his own hometown and he's a much different person from visit number one to visit number four. And what <laughs> I mean by that is like he, you know, at the beginning he was kind of subdued and his speech wasn't that great. And, you know, we, we took a picture of you together at the beginning. And then the second trip, we took a picture by the third trip. He's digging his fingers into my side during a picture, making me flinch and showing me what a man he is, grabbing my arm, you know, making sure I know who's boss and who's still got the strength to kick my ass. That's Matt Hughes. Yeah, that's Matt's, Matt's, Matt's trick is when he's taking a picture, he'll grab, (laughs) he'll, he'll dig his fingers in underneath your rib cage into your, into your body cavity and grabbing, literally grabbing a hold of your rib cage and squeezing it and freaking people out. You know, yeah. and and I know too from my travels, he and his brother Mark used to attack me, just all out attack me on the road, just because they like double teaming people, right? And yeah. one time they attacked me, they ripped my chair out from underneath me. At the MGM Grand, we were at a buffet. There was about twenty guys from my team. Uh, several of the guys fought on the card. Matt and Mark ripped my chair out from underneath me, and I fell on the ground. And they started putting the boots to me. They started kicking me at the rib cage and stuff. And I had to climb up under the table to get away from them. And they walked away just laughing. They're just hysterically laughing. And I climb out from underneath the table after they disappeared. And the the buffet is packed. And there's families sitting around eating breakfast traumatized, just completely (laughs) traumatized by what they had just seen. So that's, and Matt has that personality still, obviously, you know, he's, he's, he's definitely retained that for certain. Yep. Yeah. With any, with, with uh, friends like that, who needs enemies? That's what I was thinking. Like, my goodness. It's all about about staying on your toes. Yeah. When you guys see pictures of me and I'm like, it's not because I walk around in pictures like that. It's because I've got a finger in my ribcage. Right. So when we talk about people with mental capacity issues, you know, whether it's we're not talking about carrying anything, we're talking about alleviating symptoms, so to speak. But, you know, the Alzheimer's, the dementia, the autisms, you know, those sort of things. What type of what type of work have you done in those areas and, and what type of results have you had? Yeah, so th- those three are, are very severe. Uh, with autism, we, we have had some great results with a specific type of autism. There are many different types of autism. So when you get the more neurodegenerative and inflammatory autism, um, and of course it's connected to the gut, so there's both of those. Um, but with, with that specific type of autism, uh, we see good results. Unfortunately, with Alzheimer's and, and Parkinson's, um, we, we have seen good results and, and good outcomes, but they're very short-lived. They're temporary. Those are such progressive diseases that if you're not continuously doing not just stem cell but other alternatives, it, it's you're, the patient is still going to decline pretty rapidly. So unless you have, you know, unless you're a billionaire that just has unlimited discretionary funds to continue doing it, 
um, the results are very short-lived, unfortunately. Yeah, and I think, you know, from from what I guess I've researched over the years is many times in autops- autopsies of dementia, Alzheimer's and, and things like that, is that they'll have heavy deposits of, say, aluminum in the in the brain cells. And so unless we're putting things into our body that specifically chelate, bond with those heavy metals and toxins to chelate them out of the cells, a lot of times it's going to be tough to tough to improve, right? Yeah, and that's you're getting into a different form of autism, um, and so we, you know, that that would be something that stem cells alone would not help. You need to exactly like you're saying, you need to reduce and, and have anti. Uh, you need to get the metals out uh, first and detox the brain, but also, you know, the stem cells in a step of the process may help, but that's not really what we focus on. Yeah, right. You know, you're bringing up a, a good point though, and, and I I don't mean to veer off, but one of the things that we do for neurological conditions, and you've named a couple, and there are many others. Uh, but we also are, are starting to tackle uh, CTE and multiple concussions. And so we, ha- we have pioneered a, uh, a type of uh, application, and it's based off of our aut- autism and some of those other neurological conditions. But we, we do an intrathecal injection, which, mean, which means we um, make the stem cells. We, we do a, a lumbar puncture, um, which passes the blood-brain barrier. And we're, we're starting to do a clinical trial for CTE and, and multiple concussions because we know that it works very well with traumatic brain injury and CTE is minor traumatic brain injury on multiple occasions. So we're excited about the results uh, in that in that realm. So obviously, I, I, this is something that I, it just popped into my head. The vagus nerve, you know, as it runs through the whole body and then what are there, 12 cranial nerve, very important nerves, you know, you talked about neurological conditions. How does how does the stem cell therapy that you guys use the the different forms assist in the the nervous system and vagus nerve issues and stuff? Yeah, we don't go through the vagus nerve typically. Um, there are some practitioners that, that could do that, and there's also an intranasal uh, injection that is you know it's just it's not as effective and a little bit more painful for the patient. Um, but we have a very simple non-invasive procedure where we uh, do a lumbar puncture. So it's just like getting an epidural. So it's a very common procedure. It sounds, you know, a little bit more invasive than you might think until you compare it to the epidural. But this is something that, you know, OBGYNs and and women do on a daily basis, you know, during their um, delivery. So it's a pretty simple procedure for people that are trained to do it. We have a neurosurgeon that is a fellow in spine. So he's world renowned in in his specialty and he's the one that does that for us. But um, it's it's a simple lumbar puncture where we uh, it, we take out some of the spinal fluid uh, because you you can't uh, balance you have, balance the pressure in there. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So we'll just take out a little bit of the spinal fluid, mix it with the stem cells, and then re-inject, and and it'll go through and pass the blood-brain barrier. Beautiful. That's amazing. What totally? What I remember vaguely, but all the areas of the body that can be injected with stem cells. And I think some people will be surprised with with some of the some of the locations. Yeah, well, so we're we're really blessed to have a lot of uh, professional athletes that come to us, and so you know we have guys that are former champions like Matt Hughes, and we have current champions uh, in in the UFC and all throughout. Uh, same with uh, NFL and Major League Baseball and, and all the sports. But the point is, is that those guys come in and they get they have orthopedic issues and they're beat up everywhere. Like I'm sure you are, Pat, you know, from years and years and decades of, of, uh, of beating other people up. Occasionally you get, you get a uh, 
a, a dose of your own medicine. Um, but so the point right. is they come into the shoulders and hips and knees and toes and our fighters get, you know, their, their hands all the time, everywhere in the hand, um, because arthritis and, and scarring is, is starting to set in. Um, so anything orthopedic you can think of, absolutely. Um, what typically happens is then their companions who are coming with them um, realize the benefit of stem cell and they, they um, you know, maybe wanting to stay looking younger a little bit longer. So they'll do face and hair injections. And then we also have sexual wellness treatment. So there's intercavernous injections for guys and, and there's, um, you know, female injections that uh, are both very popular. So when you say everywhere, yes, we, we can essentially pump stem cells everywhere and it's beneficial for most things. So what's what's it going to cost me to lengthen my penis by three inches? <laughs> I think that's what you meant, Patrick. Yeah, yeah, I got to throw some comedy into this, right? Oh boy, I tell you, I, I would I would sign up also, but we're you know we're we're not that big of a company, so to speak. We we would be a a, a Fortune 100 company if that was the case. <laughs> right. So what is what is the future of of this kind of technology? Obviously, your company, your technology, you obviously have very high profile. I noticed you got WWE. You know, I think Kurt Angle's been down there. Rey Mysterio, like you said, people of all different walks of life as far as professional sports, putting a lot of attention on this technology. What do you see the you know two, three years, five, ten years down the line? Where are you guys going to be? Well, the technology does continue to evolve. Uh, so our our company is creating intellectual property where we're trying to stay on the forefront. And there are some pretty interesting technologies coming down the pike um, that are cellular, cellular based and advanced therapies, not necessarily just stem cells, uh, but something like uh, the NK cell, which is a natural killer cell. Um, that would be a good combination for longevity. But that's getting into the answers. I think that the industry in and of itself is going to start moving into more preventative instead of reactive, um, which, you know, right now it's understandable. We're getting people that are motivated by chronic pain or injury or autoimmune disease. And so they, they have a real motivation to, you know, and let's, let's be honest, it's, it's, um, it's still a tough sell because it is cost prohibitive. It's unfortunately very expensive. And I, my company is trying to lower that cost on a daily basis, but it's, it's, it's expensive. Your insurance does not cover it. Uh, it is not available here in the United States. So you have to go to countries like, um, Panama or my, my company is in Colombia, soon to be Mexico, but some of these other countries that are close to the United States with better regulation. But so, you know, those are barriers to accessing this technology. Um, so we're getting people that are motivated by injury, but what's starting to happen, and it's happening right now at my clinic on a daily basis, we get people in that say, you know what, I don't want to wait until I'm injured. I'm going to get a systemic IV right now. I'm going to help my immune system. I'm going to reduce inflammation um, and so that I might prevent something in the future. And maybe that will help me live longer or at least feel healthier in my more advanced years. So I think we're going to preventative uh, versus reactive. Hmm. And at what point have you guys, you know, obviously had discussions with insurance companies. At what point do you think, you know, that this eventually could be covered at least you know, basic treatments through insurance. You know, it's really interesting what, what what's been happening. I'll I'll have contact from people in insurance companies. They're not the top decision makers, but pretty high up to where you know they they really have some clout. And we'll spend some time. Sometimes these are our patients 
So they're guys that are happen to be high up in an insurance company and they had an orthopedic issue, but they okay. want to stay out on the golf course or the tennis court. And they come to us and they have remarkable results and they go, wow, why isn't this available? I'm going to bring this up to my superiors and we're going to, we're going to start working through the process. And those conversations, you know, they start take getting a foothold and then they just vanish. So I don't know, Pat, you know, I, I, I'm optimistic, but in the meantime, I just have to focus on what we're doing best and that's keeping our nose to the grindstone, helping as many patients as we can right now. And, you know, eventually the patient success will spill over to where it won't be a secret anymore. There you go. So Eric, you know, first off, Jeff, do you have any more questions for Eric? No, no, I think that's a cool approach. You said like the the evolution of the company going from reactive to proactive. Um, I think that's really cool because I think the application of this technology, even though I'm just, it's, I've, I've always found it very fascinating. So I thank you for coming on to kind of explain it a little bit more. But I think the the potential for a technology like this is can, is really game changing. Potentially, well, with of fo- course, with with food just as medicine, you know how you shop is going to dictate where you know, a lot of the business is going to swing, right? So if everybody stopped buying processed food or a, ma- a vast amount of Americans stopped buying processed food, they're going to stop making it, right? And if a vast amount of Americans start taking care of their health better with alternative uh, treatments, well, they're going to start figuring it out that the, the money is going somewhere else and they better follow it. So that's really what, what it comes down to for Americans, definitely, you know, doing that. So Eric, it's been a pleasure talking to you and please let our listeners know any way that they can, you know, find you, your websites for, for not only bioaccelerator, but um, your nonprofit, I'm assuming, assuming is the other organization. Yeah. So bioaccelerator.com is a good place to, uh, start investigating stem cell. If you really want to get dig into patient testimonials, get a feel for who we are as a company and a culture. I think you'll you'll be happy to see that we're we're pretty cool people also. But go to our YouTube channel. Uh, it's a Bio Accelerator B I O X Accelerator BioAccelerator.com or our YouTube channel or any social media channels. Good. And then the the foundation is Solutions for a Healthier World Foundation. We're really trying to help veterans and um, children with uh, with uh, neurological conditions and CTE, that kind of thing. Doing God's work, buddy. One one patient at a time. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So for Eric Stofers and my co-host Jeffrey Wilson, this is Pat Militich signing off from another episode of the Self Defense Warrior Podcast. Thank you, sir. Guys, thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate the conversation. Thanks for helping us get the word out. Yeah, thank you for coming on. And like I said, we'll do a follow-up episode with Frank and kind of